All right, everyone. Today we have Dr. Cheryl Fraser, and we're going to be talking about healthy relationships. Um, not only relationships with other people, but with self-care. Uh, let me read out her formal bio. She's sharp, frank, fearless. She's a Buddhist sex therapist, a psychologist, author, speaker, with a rare combination of academic credibility, humor, straight talk, life-changing advice. She has helped thousands of couples jumpstart on their love life and create passion that lasts a lifetime. Dr. Cheryl's new online intensive program for couples, Become Passion, Create Love That Lasts a Lifetime, brings her work to your own living room. Her book, Buddha's Bedroom, The Mindful Loving Path to Sexual Passion and Lifelong Intimacy, is now available. Um, she also like has been, uh, you know, with a speaker and a coach on Tony Robbins. We've heard her on major platforms. She really has niched herself in the market as someone that knows and has the accreditability to uh, speak relationships and know what works. So I am actually super excited. Uh, I also am really nervous to have this conversation. <laughs> so thank you so much for having, um, coming on the podcast and, and being able to share your knowledge and your advice and your energy and your purpose and passion with the world. Um, so tell me a little bit beyond this formal bio and welcome. Yeah, well, thank you, Christy. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm particularly talking to an audience of, you know, um, sisters, uh, where we're all trying to, you know, bump through this life and find happiness while being self-care. And sometimes that can feel like a heck of a task. So for you to be parsing things down for, for listeners is fantastic. How the heck did I end up being a Buddhist sex therapist? <laughs> um, well, I'll give you the shorter version. Basically, when I was about 12 or 13, I was desperately, passionately in love with Sean Cassidy, the world's sexiest hearty boy. Some of you may be too young, but, you know, imagine whoever the teen heartthrob is uh, these days. And I wrote these, you know, incredibly erotic, by the way, letters and stories about Sean, you know, sweeping me away from my little Vancouver Island town and taking me to Beverly Hills where I would live happily ever after. Spoiler alert, Christy, it didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but I tell that story to kind of speak, I think, to a core ache in most human beings, which is this ache for the so-called soulmate. P.S. There is no soulmate. There's an imperfect, beautiful person you can attempt to bump through life with. Um, and that led really, as weird as it sounds, from from being a really young girl, like, what is great love? How, why do relationships not work very well would be a better question. You know, watching my parents' marriage, watching other relationships around me, my own uh, early first marriage in my late 20s only lasted a, a couple of years. Like, what is it? Why is it so hard for two extraordinarily cool people who love each other, who have great intention to have passion and fun and romance? Why is it so, why is relationship so freaking hard? Uh, so I did the psychology route and you know, was accepted to Harvard Med School, went somewhere else instead, really academically, lots of accolades. And I came out of 13 years of university, not really being able to answer the question yet. Then I went to India with a backpack and I started studying the mind from a different direction, which is Buddhism, meditation, mindfulness. Um, my book combines relationship, love, and sex with mindfulness and Buddhist philosophy. So I can throw, people can go there if they want more. We don't have time to plunge into the depths of that today. It all culminated with me in my early mid forties, uh, creating the work of become passion and teaching weekend intensive workshops for couples. But here's the kicker, uh, Christy, I was single. 
You know, I was multiply failing at the very thing I was an expert at. I was helping other couples create the kind of navigation through the tough stuff, the kind of uh, re-sparking their sexual and romantic attraction that I wasn't yet uh, creating myself. Don't worry, it has a happy ending. We got married a year and a half ago. Um, so that's kind of a, a short version of, of the truth of the passion, the ache, the pain, and the journey behind trying to figure out, drawing on the best couples research. You know, I'm a clinical psychologist. I see couples in my private practice, drawing on sex therapy and drawing on studies of the mind and how we can be fully responsible for our own happiness, which I think dovetails beautifully with what you're doing with your audience, with the planner is, you know, I, Cheryl, am responsible for my day today. What am I going to do for my emotional fitness, my physical fitness, my food fitness, my joy? So I hope that kind of answers your question. And there's a bunch of sidelines in there. I was a professional improv comic for a while. I used to have a talk radio show teaching love and sex advice. And uh, I do three-month silent meditation retreats uh, every few years where I'm completely and utterly off-grid and meditating 10 hours a day. So I train this wonky mind of mine. And I attempt imperfectly, just ask my beloved, I attempt to practice what I preach. And you know, so much of what you just said just resonates with me. And I think you know a little bit about me. Uh, so I own Start Planner, you know that. Another aspect is I'm an author of a book called Start Balancing. Uh, so a lot of what you talked about, I teach how to balance, how to be efficient, how to be productive. And then I walked a journey of being very unbalanced, of getting divorced, of changing up everything. And I still feel like I'm changing up everything and pushing my life forward and planning my life forward. So everything that you just said um, resonated with me deeply. Um, so I am very proud of you and thank you for continuing to take these steps, uh, you know, daily for your purpose and putting our energy out there. I, I divinely feel like everything happens in our life the way that it's meant to be for a reason. Right. What I... And I I sometimes call a gift in a difficult box, right? When we've got the really yes. tough stuff, it's, you know, who are we going to be coming out of this? Absolutely. Absolutely. And a, a lot of times we don't even see that. We have to shift that mindset of why are these things happening to me instead? What am I being meant to learn? What is my journey? I mean, we can plan our life all we want, but I've ultimately realized that we can plan it, but we also have to be open to pivot and change and learning because uh, that's what we're here to do is grow, like grow, learn, evolve. So, and if um, you want a great training ground to learn uh, way faster and way harder and with a lot more bumps than you think you want, fall in love, right? I mean, yeah. we can all sit on our mythical mountaintops and think we've got it all together. <laughs> Trying to be in relationship with another person is going to trigger our stuff, show us our dark sides, where we're not yet practicing what we think we're practicing. And, and sometimes those things will also, that's what's going to force us to change. Right. Absolutely. If we're brave and willing the way probably everybody listening is, or they'd be listening to some fluff instead of this. <laughs> Absolutely. So this is just going to be a deep conversation. It's going to be good. So you guys that are listening, we're going to talk through um, some self-care, how to plan for it. Um, we're also going to talk to about the importance of meditation. I really just kind of started doing this. And, and again, you guys listening to podcasts like this, learning from people, it's, it's taking that experience and being able to accelerate it, to apply it to your life. That's what it's about. And we also are going to discuss relationships and how to plan for success there, because I am so eager to pique your brain there. Uh, we're really going to leave nothing off the table. So let's dive into self-love as being the, the first part. Can you give some tips on self-care and how that even relates to healthy relationships? 
Yeah, I really love the question and the focus of your work because if we, you know, trip back to little Cheryl madly in love with Sean Cassidy, that's a metaphor for all of us. When we're looking to be fulfilled, we're looking for uh, contentment, uh, for joy outside of ourself. Be the person who makes me happy. Does this sound at all familiar to any of us in a romantic relationship at this time? And how upset we get when our significant person isn't doing what we need to feel better. Why aren't you making me feel better? So you can hear in there the, the imminent hook and problem. When we think of self-care, one of the things that is super important, and it's not really taught that much to my chagrin, is stop expecting your partner to make you happy. Stop expecting your partner to do, say, or be what you need to be well because we're always off kilter. If if you're my partner, Christy, and I am, you know, I need Christy to be sweet to me today, or I need her to notice I'm sad today. If I am not able to fill my own bucket up and I'm always an empty bucket waiting for you to, you know, pour whatever you've got left in, ultimately it's going to create huge relationship problems. So one of the things I love to teach people to do, and I'm speaking now to people in relationships, for those of us not in a relationship, and here I mean a romantic sexual one, these uh, same tips apply to most of our other relationships, except the sex part, obviously, unless you have weird friendships, and that's cool by me. I'm very liberal. <laughs> it's all good. Um, but you can take this and apply it to a friendship, a business relationship, et cetera, and tuck it in your mental back pocket for the next love and sexual relationship each of you that's not currently in one is involved in. So I got to fill myself up in all the ways that, you know, we know and we don't always practice. I think your audience is trying more diligently than most to practice. Uh, I just got back from exercising. I, you know, had my lemon juice this morning. Then I had my keto high fat yummy smoothie. I'm trying to take care of my energy and my body. And that helps me show up better for my partner. It helps me maybe feel less off kilter, less needy, taking care of my physical body, taking care of my emotional self and not expecting my beloved, my sweetheart to always make Cheryl feel better if she's not feeling great. How can Cheryl say, okay, I've got a, a rough mind state going on. Maybe I'm uh, upset about a work stress or a family dynamic or someone I love is very ill or dying. I can come to self-care, the physical ways I just mentioned, to meditation, to going for a beautiful walk and looking for birds, the multitudinous ways each of us find fills us up. And then bring not a super stronger version of me to my sweetheart, but instead of the desperate one, I can say, babe, I'm just having a super rough day. I've gone for a walk, but I am so achy. Can you hold me? Can we talk? Instead of what often happens, we bring our most fractured self to our spouse. And that's okay, by the way, but I'm just giving you tips how to uh, maybe do it more skillfully. Um, when we bring our most fractured self, if our spouse is in a great place, they're going to show up well for us. Bottom line, boy, I could talk for like four hours on each of these great topics. But the bottom line is the more each of us is taking care of our own mental, physical, spiritual, emotional well-being, the more we can engage in life and the more we're going to engage more thoroughly, completely, and from a less needy, confused place in work and play and certainly in our significant romantic relationship. I love it. Yeah. I mean, and all of those things play together, right? Physical, spiritual, emotional. They all work together. If you're and only we, taking care of one, then you're the other suffer. Right. Yeah. Right. How yeah. many of us know someone who's just got their, their food and fitness dialed in? They're they're just they're a champion. 
and they're emotionally out of whack and they're spiritually bankrupt and they're, they're miserable. Frankly, they're just really ripped and eat beautifully and have tons of abundant energy that they're not then engaging in the world with, with joy. With purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So the next, I mean, like you said, we could talk about this stuff. I go, I want to keep asking you questions on that, but I'm like, no, in the, the, the sake of time. So the next thing is passion. Passion yeah. is something we all have, but I believe it can be lost if you're not intentional about it. We are going to take a quick little break to hear a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by startplanner.com, your tool for a more organized life. Featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Inc.com, Start Planner was created to meet the demands of today's busy lifestyle, helping you to plan, execute, and organize every aspect of your life in one concise system. Align schedules, to-dos, finances, health, wellness, goal setting, and clear action steps to all work together and drive results. Learn more at startplanner.com. Um, passion to me is when it's an automatic, it's a known direction for something that you love in life, but Mm. can passions fade? You talk about, there are three keys of keeping passion alive. And of course there's passion for something or someone, which is different. So talk to us a little bit about passions. I'm big on passion. And when a passion becomes a mission, it's a purpose. Like I'm, I have passion tattooed on my arm. Love it. it. It is, it is big for me. So talk to me about it. Love this. Uh, my old sort of a media dubbed name used to be, you know, the passion coach specifically towards couples. Um, and the name of my course has become passion. So we are sisters just slightly separated by geography. Uh, let me speak directly to the way I'm talking about passion here is about a passionate romantic relationship, uh, between uh, two people more, if that's your, your jam. Um, And what I teach are the three keys to passion and people, of course, anybody with a brain, which we all have would say, well, what do you mean by passion? Well, I'll teach briefly the three keys to passion and that will make more sense of it. I teach what I call the passion triangle, those three keys in a triangle. The first is intimacy. I'm going to define it in a sec. The second is thrill. And the third is sensuality. Now, again, this is based on decades and decades of the best couples and sexuality research and training. It's not something I, you know, made up uh, on a whim. Intimacy here is not a word I am using as a euphemism for sex. When I use the word intimacy here as one of the three keys to having a sustainable, underline that one, a sustainable lifelong passionate relationship with your beloved, I mean by intimacy, um, communicating, uh, navigating arguments, learning how to repair when we're off kilter, sharing each other's inner world. Uh, helping each other through the tough stuff, the death of our parents, uh, maybe a a diagnosis of one of our children. It's a really difficult diagnosis. It's really hard for the family to manage. That's what I'm talking about, about intimacy here. It's about what researcher John Gottman, one of the greats of marital therapy, calls marital friendship. The second key I call thrill. And this one, Christy, is I think what a lot of us would really um, think of when we think about being passionate about anything, our sport, our business model, our our new kitten. We think of this excitement, this uh, spontaneous, easy, we don't have to work at it. We don't have to create it. It's just, I'm super excited about this thing. Early in romantic relationships, we all know, be it Sean Cassidy or the person you're currently with, uh, there's a lot of thrill. 
we're excited, we're interested, we're super focused in our mindset. Did you know that the biochemistry of falling in love actually mimics the biochemistry of obsessive compulsive disorder? So we are literally madly in love. We literally find it difficult to stop thinking about them. They're on our mind. We have those spontaneous rushes of lust. You know, you're at your desk typing and like you get, you know, a rush of erotic lust because we're so in tune. That's thrill. Now, anyone who's been in a long-term relationship, and I'm going to say more than six to 18 months, because it's six or 18 months in where all that sweet biochemistry settles out, as we all know, sniff, sniff, um, thrill is the one that doesn't last on its own for the vast majority of couples, and you need to be intentional to reignite thrill. We can talk a bit about that if we want. The third side, so we've got intimacy, your kind of emotional, psychological part of your relationship. We've got thrill, the excitement, the jazz. The, the lust, the attraction. And then we've got the sensuality. And by that word, I mean the entire sensual, erotic, and sexual spectrum, vitally important in long-term and short-term love relationship, which is everything from kissing goodnight instead of just going, hey, and holding hands when you're uh, walking to all aspects of your erotic and sexual life. Back to what predicts passion in couples. Having all three of these strong is what predicts a couple that has an exceptional relationship. And that's not very many couples, I'm sad to say, maybe in the less than 5%, not who aren't new and still in the madness of it, the wonderful madness of it. Uh, very few couples would say, you know, we've got a great relationship. We're the best of friends. We have tons of adventures. I'm excited every time they get home. And uh, we've got a great, satisfying, evolving sex life. My mission is to try to help each and every couple on the planet have that kind of relationship. So those are the three keys. And like anything else, Christy, that we want to learn and become great at, we've got to first have knowledge, like what works and what doesn't. What does the research show predicts great couples? Where are we strong and where are we weak? Uh, I think you took my passion quiz where couples can rate themselves and sort of see, oh, we're really high in intimacy. Great friends, wonderful parents. You're my best buddy. I love grocery shopping with you. We have almost no thrill. All we do is change baby diapers these days. And uh, sex, what's that? You know, then they're unbalanced. And their work is to build on the other two aspects of their relationship that are maybe needing some strengthening and some guidance and some intentionality. So you guys, I did take this, this quiz. Can you tell people I did take it? And it was very, very interesting. Tell people where to go to take it. Isn't it drcherylfraser.com slash quiz? Yeah, yeah. It? Very simple. So, okay. you know, uh, my website is drcherylfraser.com. And uh, if you go slash quiz, you'll come to the quiz. And there's a little video introducing the teachings, sort of a summary of what I just said. And then you know, it takes under 10 minutes. But what did you find out? Christy, if you took it about a previous relationship or whatever, did you find that there was anything surprising? I mean, I don't think surprising. Um, uh, it was just interesting to read it and, and to see your approach and to see your knowledge from a, a different, you know, I feel like I'm in a great relationship, but I think the, the, the awareness, right. is just something great can always be better. Yes. Awareness. Exactly. And and, and I think that's what it is. Like, I don't think people are always aware. People think or people, whatever. And, you know, everybody that's here, that's listening to this is big on planning, been on big on planning for purpose. So I think that number one, like you just said, having this knowledge and taking this quiz, you guys, I would encourage everybody to go do it and just being aware of this. And we are going to go back. So you said intimacy, thrill, sensuality, that most people struggle with a thrill. 
How yeah. can you plan to keep a, a relationship healthy and thriving with a thrill aspect? Because I'm going to have to ask that. Okay. I'm going to have to ask that. It's so difficult. This is the, you know, the bulk of my work because this one isn't easy or natural. So I'm going to contextualize it in the following way. I talk a lot about planning for passion. And people say, are you kidding me? Like passion by definition, erotic, romantic passion is considered spontaneous. Like you just want to rip each other's clothes off or you're like, oh, I love you so much. Let's go on an epic date tonight. Like when we were dating and we planned these wonderful ways to dazzle each other, to woo each other. Um, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad scientific news, but the, the, the truth of our experience, and we've all been there, is that spontaneity wanes and it's not your fault and it doesn't mean your relationship's broken and it doesn't mean you're with the wrong person. It means you're a human being in a human body and a human mind with human biochemistry. When we've achieved our goal, which is to bag the mate like cave days, our biochemistry naturally shifts to contentment and decorating the cave. So if we're not planning, weirdly, I suggest people plan to be spontaneous, which is obviously an oxymoron. And brief rant, and then we're going to come back to it and link it to planning. The rant is, oh my goodness, people who will diligently plan their work deliverables, their goals, their quarterly uh, whatevers, who will diligently plan their macros, their food, their hydration, who will diligently plan their children's education steps and everything else, do not plan to keep their relationship, their sexual romantic relationship alive. So what I suggest right away in, uh, in their planner, uh, anywhere you want people is every day, take five minutes and create a relationship intention. What I love to teach couples is to do this with each other out loud. My sweetheart and I, he's a coffee aficionado. I'm a tea snob. We sit and have our preferred beverage in the morning, most mornings. And we take about five minutes and we say, what's your, what's your relationship intention for the day? And then we do a little think. And then when we're ready, we go ahead. Um, yesterday, mine was, dang it, what was it? Oh, it was to remember to um, treat him like a sexual romantic being yesterday. And uh, I didn't necessarily mean jump his bones or have sex, but just, you know, he's a good looking guy. And just to remember and to let him know that I appreciate that aspect of who he is. And his for me was to have a more fun day. We, we weren't going to see each other hardly at all, but we'd had a fun weekend day off together. And he said, I want to recreate a bit of that fun uh, and it might be a five minutes worth in the evening where instead of doing the routine, he'd say, you know, ask me an interesting question. Pick one relationship intention, make it an action. So uh, saying I want to be kinder today is a bit too vague. It's a phenomenal start, but then turn it into an action. For example, I want to be kinder to my sweetheart today. The action is if I feel impatient, I'm going to really try to use a more gentle tone of voice. So instead of, so you forgot the bird seed? Come on. It might be, uh, honey, okay, so you forgot the bird seed. I'm disappointed, but it's okay. One of us can pick it up tomorrow. Daily intentions take two or three minutes. You can do it with your partner. You can do it with yourself. And if you're currently not in a romantic relationship, please do this about a different relationship, business or family. What's one intention? It can be as simple as when my aging mother tells me the same story for the 59th time, instead of rolling my eyes, I'm going to open my face and open my body and realize that this is how she connects with me. I'm going to be sweet to my mom even if I feel frustrated. Huge, 
huge. Be intentional in this area of our lives. The most important predictor, according to research, of happiness, Christy, of life satisfaction, is having a healthy, intimate relationship. And yet most of us are not intentional or planning or executing in a way to make it exceptional. We're taking it for granted. Then we act all freaking surprised when it doesn't work out so well. I mean, I, I couldn't, couldn't be more true what you just said. And I think that that's, it's rampant. It's everywhere. And, uh, you know, I want to ask you something and do you think that relationships can last? So if, if people are being intentional about that, I mean, they're the divorce rate. It is what it is. You know, relationships break up. It doesn't have to be divorce. It can be whatever. Like, do you think that a great relationship can actually last forever? Two questions. Can a relationship last forever? Oh, hell yeah. We've all been out there with the couple who's been together 30, 40, 50 years who are kind of have this simmering, gentle, quiet hostility towards each other and live their more or less separate lives, but they're going to stay together legally in the same house, not necessarily the same bedroom till death do they part. Can an but should they? Yeah. 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 And I remember, you know, as a young person being in a restaurant, a, you know, whatever, a diner and seeing a couple who just kind of looked grumpy and read the paper and had nothing to say to each other. Today, of course, it's a screen and a phone to people just on their phones on a freaking date. Anyway, don't get me started. I know. Uh, We've had this same discussion too about oh how that takes away from it. It's distractions. Oh my goodness. Just yeah. being present. Being yeah. present is a huge thing. Thousand percent. No phone turned off. No dings. No nothing. For goodness sakes, pay attention to the most important person in your world. So can great relationships last a lifetime? Relationships can certainly last a lifetime. My motto, my brand, and my attempt to facilitate in the world is through, let's be honest, we are certainly being honest, it takes a friggin' lot of work to invest in, to cultivate, to support, and to have an extraordinary relationship. Gee, guys, just like everything else that matters to us, our physical fitness, our business, our hobby, how many people spend hours and hours, thousands of dollars, travel the world to pursue their hobby, to become more skilled at it, to enjoy it more? I invite people to treat your love life like a hobby, not this awful job you don't want to do and we have to work on our relationship, oh, poor us, but to invest from a place of love, from a place of reverence, which is a lead into saying, yes, I do not only believe, but have had the privilege to witness um, long-term relationships, decades long, where the thrill and the excitement, the love and the passion were still there. I can briefly tell you about one in a moment, but the bad news is that it's rare, which continues to break my heart, which is why I continue to do what little I can to help facilitate these discussions to say, guys, it's not going to happen on its own. And it's not your spouse's responsibility to make your relationship great. It's yours. Of course, I want to say the same thing to both people, right? Each of you are 100% responsible for choosing to invest in your love relationship. And yes, if only one person's willing to invest in it, it can lead to a major change. But would you like to hear one of the most romantic long-term relationship stories I have in my lexicon? Uh, let's end it on that note. I think everybody wants to hear a love story. Yes. Well, this is about two people who happen to have been my paternal grandparents, Norman and Evelyn. And Norman uh, was born in Wales in a Welsh coal mining town. His dad was the physician there. And, you know, most of the young men went down the lung, down uh, the mine and they died either from cave-ins, this is, you know, 90 years ago, 
uh, or from the black lung. So at 17, my dad was, uh, my granddad was not academic. He was never going to be a doctor. He uh, lied about his age, caught a ship to Canada, ended up uh, in the prairies in freaking middle of winter, minus 30 or something. And he got a job for about a buck a week or whatever it was back then being a farmhand. Spring comes along, he goes to the spring dance, the biggest thing you can imagine, everybody from these little farming communities coming to the teeny tiny town for this epic spring dance. And as he used to tell the story, he's sort of standing there outside with the other young bucks leaning back against the wall and the beautiful young bells are coming in and, you know, their their flowery frocks they've probably spent all, all winter, you know, stitching. This is a very poor area. And beautiful girl after beautiful girl comes across. And then he sees this blonde and she's got wavy blonde hair. She's got blue crystallized, the color of the sea on a spring day, he used to say. And his jaw drops and he turns to the fellows next to him and he said, who is that? And they said, oh, that's Evelyn, but don't even think about it. And he said, why not? And they said, because she's engaged to be married. And my grandfather famously said, not for long. <laughs> so he wooed her, he wed her. Uh, they moved uh, to the west coast of Canada. They were together, uh, married for, uh, we celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary about a decade ago. And as a child, I grew up in the same town as them. Every time my granny walked in the room, my granddad lit up like a Christmas tree. The softening of his eyes, the joy in his face, he adored that woman through their whole life. Yes, they had ups and downs. Their first child died at two years old of pneumonia. Uh, they lived through the depression, but the love he saw, and according to my dad, my dad and his dad were out hunting, fishing one time, and my granddad didn't drink much, and he got into some blackberry wine, and he got a little loquacious, and he was telling my dad, much to my dad's chagrin, your mama, she's got such a beautiful figure, and I can't keep my hands off her. And my dad's like, yeah, dad, really, seriously, you're like 70. <laughs> Give me a break here. <laughs> the passion was still there. They square danced, they traveled. Here's where the story comes to a culmination. About a decade or so ago, my grandmother uh, got sick and died very quickly from lung cancer within a few months. After she died, my granddad Norman was completely lost, even more than we'd have expected. And we learned rather quickly by observing him, he had Alzheimer's. But none of us knew because when they, when she was alive, she filled in all the gaps for him. They danced in this way that they were one, that she filled in his memory and we didn't know. So granddad went downhill pretty fast when he lost his Evie. It was very, you know, obviously a very sad thing. And I had the privilege at that time. I was between degrees and I was back home. I used to go visit him a lot in the hospital or the long care home where he was deteriorating. And one time, Christy, I went in to see him and he looked up and I was around 30, 32 at the time, 40, I don't know, but I have wavy blonde hair and I have sparkling blue eyes. And when I walked in, this always makes me cry in the most beautiful way. He looked at me and he said, Evelyn, you're here. And he just lit up like a Christmas tree. In the depths of Alzheimer's, in the depths of dementia, the love was still alive. And thank goodness, Christy, something divine took my mouth and didn't make me say the dumb thing we say. No, granddad, I'm not Evelyn, it's Cheryl. Instead, I said, yes, Norm, it's me, I'm here. And he just relaxed and he smiled and he had a beautiful nap. So that's my template for love that can last a lifetime, passion that can last a lifetime, 
beyond death through Alzheimer's, the rare, rare relationship where people do reinvest in their own unique ways in having something extraordinary. And that's what I hope to create with my second husband, because I may be a slow learner, but I never give up trying. I mean, I literally got cold chills and that was just, I think that's, you know, love is purpose here. It's why we're here. It's why we're connected. It's why we fight for the things we fight. And like you said, love will make us learn and teach and change the things that we need to change because we don't want to lose it. And once you get a a taste of it, you don't, you don't want it to go anywhere. And like, that's beautiful. And I feel like there's no, there's no reason you were given those grandparents, you were given that story, you were, you were given that divine moment, you were given the timing that you were to be able to tell that story. And that was impactful. So well, I'm very, very pleased. Norman Evie would be very pleased to know if they can inspire those of us fools just bumbling through trying to be happy to stop and look at each other and, you know, make love intentional. It is because it's a choice, right? Yes. Make it intentional because it is a choice. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation. What a what a way to end this. And I think that it's just a way to end us, to remind us that we have to plan to be intentional. We have to plan for a thriving relationship with ourself, with the, with the key relationships in um, our life. And I hope that a lot of you guys that are listening here, that that you take a second to step back and listen to your heart and your mind and your and look at your schedules and see what are you planning what are you being intentional about and where are you being present and make changes and audit where you need to. Right. And so, how much of the proportion of your week ahead is devoted to your relationship? And where do you, do you need to shift? Do you need to mm-hmm. audit? Do you need to change mm-hmm. it? Just such a powerful conversation. Thank you so much for this. Um, you guys, we will be back next week. Um, plan to be intentional this week and, um, maybe write it down. I, I loved your tip as far as every single morning um, asking what, and, and really that's just a opening communication, yeah. asking what can you learn to be better at? So you're asking, how can I grow to be better for you? Right. Which allows you guys to grow together. I just think there's so many powerful tips in that tip. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this, you guys. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Bye everyone. We will see you guys next week. You can find any links discussed in this podcast in the description below. If you like this episode, please leave us a review and hit the subscribe button. It helps us so much. You can listen on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We are here weekly with brand new episodes. See you guys soon.